Today's best country, Froggy 101. On the phone, legendary pro wrestler from the WWE ECW. He's traveled the world. Nunzio, Nunzio, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Yeah, we're doing okay. How about yourself? What's oh, going I'm, on? <laughs> I'm all right, man. Talking to a true pro wrestling legend. Now, Nunzio, everybody knows you start out in the ECW. Now, back all the way back then, now we're fast forward to 2022. Did you ever think you would hear legendary pro wrestler in your name? Uh, never in a million years. I've been wanting to be a pro wrestler since I was 10 years old. Never knew it was actually going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, things worked out, and, you know, it, it did work out. And, honestly, I didn't expect to be doing it still today and still, you know, hearing about ECW and, you know, what an impact that made on the wrestling world. And just being part of it was great. Just being part of it was great. It was a, it was sort of maybe five years from 95 to, till they closed down, but... I mean, it's still talked about today. They still call it the ECW Arena 2300, but still talked about. And that gave me, that opened my door to go work for the WWE, which I was a lifelong fan of. So, so I appreciate it. I appreciate all the fans. And I'm actually lucky enough to still make some money today and, and actually get out there and do some shows. Now, if you if you don't know who Nunzio is, you could probably tell from his voice, you're, you're an Italian-American, uh, and you were part of a group called the FBI. Now, where did you grow up at that you get an accent that strong? Well, I grew up in uh, New York. I was born in Queens in Howard Beast and moved up to Rockland County from there. So, so uh, that's, where, that's where I was born. You grew up a fan of pro wrestling. Now, that New York territory, the big Bruno fans, wh who was your favorite growing up? So when I started watching, I was like 10, 11 years old, um, and that was my, my biggest uh, villain was Rowdy Roddy Piper. I grew up watching him. Him or in all those guys, but I always liked uh, Rowdy Piper. I was actually went my my father took me to the first WrestleMania one in Madison Square Garden, me and my brother, and then whoever knew twenty years later I wrestled there in WrestleMania twenty. No kidding. You know, so that, yeah, that that would be. I mean, I wrestled at the Garden a million times, but just to do WrestleMania there, no, not you know, knowing twenty years later when I, my father came to watch me and my mother and father. But not only that, you were part of WrestleMania 1. You were there. You were there when it all started. I was there. I was there for WrestleMania 1 as a fan, of course. Uh, right. Not knowing at the time, I was there. I didn't know who Tommy Dreamer was at the time. He was there. Mick Foley was there. And Bubba Ray Dudley, I believe, was there. Isn't that crazy how that all I works out? Up. No, I was definitely there. I'm thinking of when Snooker jumped off the cage on Morocco. Yes. That wasn't WrestleMania. That's when the four of us were all in the arena. Um, but not knowing at the time who each other was at that time. So you were at you know, that show, too? I was at, yes, I was at that show, too. My father used to take me to the Garden every other month, because back then it used to be on TV on MSG Channel every other month. Right. So one time I was watching on the MSG Channel, and the next month on the Monday it was non-televised. So my father would take me to a lot of the non-televised uh, so events. You've seen some big historical moments in pro wrestling. Yeah, I was there January 23rd when uh, when uh, Hulk Hogan won the belt. Oh, I my wasn't goodness. there December 26th when the Sheik won because it was on TV that week, that month. Okay. So I watched that TV, and the following month when Hogan came in, um, I, came, I went to that show because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't on TV because it was on the month before. 
Wow. Well, I was there when Hulk won the belt. See, that, that, that just blows my mind that I'm talking to somebody who has been at all these historical events firsthand. And you weren't like a little kid. Like some people say, oh, I was at WrestleMania, and they were three. They have no memory of it. You were at an age where you could appreciate it. Well, yeah, I guess WrestleMania well, number one was 1984, I believe, or 85. So uh, at that time, I was 13. Right. So you, you're in that prime time golden era to absorb everything. Right. When I first started watching, I had to be like, I guess, nine, ten years old. And back then, that's when they used to do the TV tapes, which I didn't know at the time was in like Hamburg Fieldhouse. Right. Joe McHugh was actually the referee. So I started watching it in 79, 80. I was, by then, I was like eight, nine years old. But I still watched it on TV. I never really started going to shows my father until I was like probably 13. So when I was had, that age. You had a father who took you to wrestling. So when you finally said, you know what, Dad, I want to be a pro wrestler, it was, it was probably a little easier than some other parents were like, you're not doing that. Well, my mother always said, you're not doing that. She's like, you can't do that. I used to rip my shirt off at home and do all those crazy things and wrestle on my bed. But, uh, you know, my parents are very supportive. You know, I got to be honest, did they want me doing it? No, they're, of course, afraid you're going to get hurt and stuff. But as time went on and I was able to make it to ECW, then WWE, they used to come proudly and watch me. And they would watch me every week on SmackDown. Or They couldn't watch me in ECW because it was on too late at night. It was on 1 o'clock. Right. They didn't start watching that until it was on TNN when it was on at 8 o'clock. So I was, but, um, I was born in South Jersey, but we moved to West Virginia when I was in seventh grade. And this is right when ECW got hot. So we would come back to New Jersey, visit my grandparents. They used to get ECW at 1 o'clock. And I would turn it on and be like, who are these insane lunatics? I, 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 my mind couldn't wrap around what I was watching at the time. Right. Well, I actually started in ECW in 1993. My first time ever down there, when it was, a lot of people don't know, it was Eastern Championship yes. Wrestling. And I, Tommy Cairo brought me down there. I started working for Todd Gordon and all those sports bars, the, the sport, um, sports club, uh, the place on Market Street, the Aztec Club. And then in, like, 1994, I got an opportunity to go work for UWFI in Japan, and I went there for a couple of years. And then I, at that time, Eastern Championship Wrestling changed over to Extreme Championship Wrestling. But when I came back in, like, late 95, um, I already met Tommy Dreamer and Taz in the early 90s when we worked for the Savoldi. So I already knew them, and they were kind of the ones in Paulie's ear. So when I came home, I uh, ended up hooking up with Dreamer. He's like, come on down to Lost Italian Hall. I want to introduce you to Paulie and... And that's how it all started. I started working down there as Damian Stone, and then he came up with the little Guido character a few minutes later. And everybody always thought I was the first full-blooded Italian. I really wasn't. J.T. Smith is the original. I've been there the longest once I got there. You know, I stayed there all the way till they closed down. But the first original FBI member was not me. It was J.T. Smith. He was doing the Italian gimmick before I got there, and then they joined me up with him, and I became his cousin. And got then debut for Italian Hall. So you're there till the very end. I'm sure it was it was devastating when it when it comes to the realization that ECW's ending. But then you get into the WWE, you get that awesome one night stand pay per view, and you start working with one of I think a totally underrated wrestler, um, super crazy. And I mean, you were working with all those awesome cruiserweights. But man, how great are is working with all those awesome talents? Well, it was great. Like they were, we were all young when we first started in ECW, so we didn't even know how great people were. You know, I didn't even know they proved to me themselves there. I didn't really know them before that. You know, I didn't really see Lucha in like 1994, 95. They were just on tapes, and I was busy working, so I got a chance to wrestle with them when they were proving themselves. Too, we all did. We all were improving ourselves and didn't realize until years later 
you know, how great it was and how much fun we had. And that's what's good about the Internet. Now, I can go back and, you know, I remember my, my, my wife and stuff, because we were always on the road when I was in the WWE and even ECW. So we used to, I have all these VCH, VH pets, whatever you call them, VHS yeah. But I don't even need them anymore. They all have dust in my basement somewhere because well, with the internet, which we didn't know that, all you got to do is Google your name, me versus Ray Mysterio, that match will come up. Right, no longer. So I tape all these shows, don't even need it anymore. No longer the need for the tape trading days. No longer the need for the tape trading days. They're all done. The internet took over, and, and pretty much anything you do on TV, it's on the computer, as long as it aired on TV. Here's a question for you. I don't think I've ever heard anybody ask a wrestler. So you're a pro wrestler in the 90s. You want to? Are you involved in the tape trading as well? No, I was never involved in tape trading. You were never trading. So, if you no. needed a match, how did you get it? Did you did you have a connection, or did you have someone tape it for you? No, I, the matches that I had from ECW, my wife used to tape it. Okay, so, so anytime on at one o'clock in the morning, if I wasn't home, she would tape it, and I would watch it that during the week. So, because I lived in New York, so ECW aired in New York from day one. Right, where it all started. I was able, when I started in 95 and 96 there, every, whenever it was on, we, my wife would tape it for me. So I was always able to, to, to she was my girlfriend at the time. So, you're, but, so I always had tapes. I never had to get it. I never tape traded with anybody. So your wife, at the girlfriend at the time, would stay up to one in the morning to make sure that she caught your match on tape. That is some, that is a, you've got a keeper there. Yeah, well, I think, I, I'm pretty sure you were able to set it so it would automatically oh. caught <laughs> I believe. I don't want to say no, but I'm pretty sure that's what she did. I don't think she was, she was staying up. Then she was watching. She used to work at ECW. She used to sell the merchandise. Oh, really? Yeah, she worked with Bella and all those girls in the very beginning. She did, She only started working there because of me. So I was. I, she's from where I live, and then I would take her to shows and stuff. And then she met Tommy Dream, and then I started working in the merchandise office. Me, Devon, and uh, me, Devon, and Dreamer. And so we were selling the merchandise and stuff, you know, out of the office. People, fans didn't know it was us. Me, we, we used to mail all that shit out. And then, um, and then she started coming to shows with me, and they needed help behind the counter. So she started working the pay-per-views and stuff. Uh, ECW would fly her around. And then she once in a while she would make a couple bucks, but she would fly to the, the pay-per-view for free. The company would pay, and then she would work. And because she worked for Mercedes-Benz back then. So she had a good regular job, and she would come with me on the weekends. Wow. That's how that So let me get this straight. You and Devon and a couple others were mailing out merchandise. Did I hear that right? Yeah, we used to work in the White Plains uh, office. It used to be a White Plains office. We used to get the deliveries. Me, Devon, and Dreamer used to unload the van, bring it up to the second floor, this little office that Paulie that got us, and fans would call there or mail orders, and we would answer the phone, and we would have fake names. We wouldn't <laughs> use our real names. We never told the fans. They didn't realize who they were talking They were either talking to me, Dreamer, or Devon, one of the three of us. Or oh, we had a couple of girls that worked there, too, the merchandise girls. And then what we would do is we would put the orders together. You know, somebody ordered a program, an FBI shirt, a tie shirt, put it, pack, pack it up, and we'd throw it in this big box, and then me, Devon, or Dreamer, most of all of us, would drive it to the regular post office. And they didn't know who we were at the time, people that worked there. But it sucked for them because we were walking with bags and bags. <laughs> they would need somebody just to – we would have 150, 200 big-sized bags wow. to, you know, people's orders. You know, two two tapes and a shirt, whatever, you know, in those, in those regular like 12 by 12 UPS bags or whatever it was. And then we would mail the stuff out. We did that for like three – so it was a full-time job for me because I used to get paid to work in the office during the week, the merchandise office, and then get paid on the weekends to do the shows. And there were times that me and Devon, I mean, me, Dreamer, and Paulie would drive the merchandise van to the local shows. Really? So 
drive it. Yeah, we all three of us would drive it to uh, the uh, the local because I live. Me and Tom, I lived in Rockland County at that time. I used to drive to Dreamer's house, drop my car up there. We used to take the merchandise there and go pick up Paul Lee because he was in Scarsdale. And then we would drive to, like, New York, Philadelphia, Boston. Those local shows, we would, we would drive the merchandise there. So it wasn't just pro wrestling. You were doing. You guys were literally doing it all. Yeah, we did all, all, all the pre-orders, all the orders. And then Dreamer also was busy. I was in the merchandise office more because Dreamer was also in the studio. Dream it was with Paulie doing the editing. The studio was in, I, I believe, Pelham. Okay. There a few times. He was doing that. So a lot of times me and Devon would do the office stuff with Bella, one of the girls. And then, um, you know, and Dream it would, Dream it would come around whenever he could, help whenever he could. But he was also involved in the editing and the writing and all that stuff. So a lot of times he was with Paulie doing that stuff. So you said you had a fake name. Do you remember any of your fake names? Uh, well, no. We said every day was something different. He said, "Hey, they, uh, who am I speaking?" Oh, this is Howard. You know, I would just make up <laughs> names. You know, it was it wasn't like yeah, I, I didn't go by the same name. So you just mixed first, it up. We just made it up as as people would call and ask for your name. If they didn't ask for your name. I wouldn't even tell them my name. You could you could say it was good promo practice. Yeah, you just, it, it was fun. We used to laugh. You sure. Know? And then sometimes I used to do this. If somebody would order something and they wouldn't order my shirt or something, I'm like, yeah, you know, you need to get an FBI <laughs> shirt. Yeah, that guy's good. That's to push great. my own sales. So I would uh, can Devon Dudley shirt and try to push my own. Right. Why, why wouldn't you? That's right. <laughs> so. so you've, you've so worked all over. You've worked all over. You've literally worked all over the world. Where would you say your your best memories are? Well, my favorite country to work in, and, and I've wrestled all uh, England, Ireland, Finland, Italy, Australia, Africa. I like Japan. Japan. That was I, my first. Yeah, that's my favorite. I, I went there for a couple of years for the UWFI commer uh, commercial uh, company. So I, I was going there like every three weeks for two weeks at a time. So it was practically like I lived there for like two years almost. And I just became very not good with their culture and liked it. And then, of course, when I went to WWE, I must have went back to Japan another 50-something times with them through the course of the eight years. And plus all the other countries. So yeah, my favorite... And people say, oh, you don't like Italy? I loved Italy. And I wrestled all over Italy. I won the Cruiserweight title in Rome, you know. But uh, uh, Japan was always my favorite country. Plus, I was the tallest guy in the elevator, and that don't happen anywhere I go. <laughs> Plus, Japan's like the mecca for wrestling. It's so, it's so different over there, the way the crowd reacts, things like that. So I... I would, I would have to agree. I'm, obviously, I've never been a pro wrestler, but it's one thing, one goal, bucket list goal of mine is to go see wrestling in the Tokyo Dome one day. Just because watching wrestling from Japan is just a totally different animal. Absolutely, and and unfortunately, the one bad thing about me is I wrestled all over Japan, and I can't even name half the cities. I've never got. A, I wrestled in Kuroki and Hall many, many times. I never wrestled in the Tokyo Dome. I never made it to the Tokyo Dome because that was always a lot of those cards, especially in the '90s. You know, it was a lot different, you know. And sure. UWF, they used to have, like, two two matches a company. And in UWFI, I wasn't a top guy. So when they would take two matches from UWFI, I wasn't in one of them. They would take, you know, uh, Anjo or, you know, Takata, Vader, Gary Albright, you know, all those guys. So I never had a chance. And WWE, I don't think when we ran Japan, we never ran the Tokyo Dome itself. Like, huh. we would never go. We saw all these other places in Japan. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure the guys at WWE sent matches over there. From what I remember, I don't think, like, for WWE to bring their show to Japan, I don't think they had a full card of just WWE guys in the Tokyo Dome. And I could be wrong on that. But yeah. I'm just saying, it didn't happen during my time. 
No, because I, I, you watch those those Japan shows, and they usually did a good job of mixing talent around. Right, all different companies. You get a couple of, couple of guys from all different companies to fill a card. Right. You got New Japan, Zero One. You got UWFI. You got the WWE. You got WCW, you know, back when that was open. You know, so, um, so yeah. So, no, that's, uh, I would like to have that right, Bogo. That's, that's far gone now, but I'm pretty much done with that, I think. Who is... Yeah, so. Out of all the guys you've wrestled, who would you say is your top your top favorite guy to work with? Well, I love working with Tajiri. I love working with Super Crazy, um, and obviously um, Kurt Angle. I love working with him. That was a lot of fun because of the amateur backgrounds, and of course he's ten times better than me. <laughs> you know, I, I love working with Rob. Rob was a stiff one. Rob was a stiff one, and and you, and you knew going in, and I'm good friends with Rob, and I love him to death. But you know, I, working with Rob, Stiff, you know, but he could take it like he could give it, and and most of the stuff was stiff because he used to do all those things with the chairs. I mean, how much can you pull back doing a turnover? You jumping off the top row, kicking it. Down. You're talking you know, about was, Rob Van Dam, of course. Yeah, that's Rob Van Dam. Loved working him, but you know, you knew you had your work cut out when you go out. And like I said, he he did the best he could to protect you. Telling so much you could do. Right. When he's throwing the chair, you're catching it and kicking it in your face. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was his style. So if you wrestled him for a month straight. You know, that, that's what you're going to be involved in. You wrestle super crazy, you're not going to be getting hit with a chair too much going against super crazy, but it was a lot of just flips and flops and all that kind of stuff. So it depends. And my, my, one of my favorite guys to work with, which I worked with him hundreds of times and a couple of times on TV, and don't get me wrong, they weren't long 10-star matches, but just to work with The Undertaker was great. Just to be out there with him, out there doing his entrance. Our matches were maybe six, seven minutes long. I mean, what much can I do with him? Uh, I was lucky enough to have a stable because of me, Chuck, and Johnny wrestled the APA and the Undertaker, I believe. We did Brock Lesnar, the Undertaker, and Kurt Angle versus the FBI. So I was able to work with those guys a lot, mainly, too, because I had two guys with me that were big guys. Right. You know, so I was lucky enough as a smaller guy to be involved in programs with guys like the APA and Brock Lesnar and Kurt and those guys because of the other guys that I had with me. Right. You know? So when you're in a ring with a guy like, say, the Undertaker, do you feel? Does it feel different when you're in the ring? Like the, the I guess you would say the energy. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because you know, it's just you being in the ring. You know, all you got to do is Google Nunzio versus the Undertaker. It comes up. I did a lot of house shows with him. I did a couple of TVs with him. Uh, but yeah, because just when his music hits, like I wrestled him when he would come down to the aisle slow with the dark and the yeah. smoke, and then I wrestled him when he changed it over to the badass. And come down with the motorcycle, the crew cut, the bandana on his head. You know, so it's a, definitely a different feeling when you hear the bells go off. And then he he rocked back and forth with both of those gimmicks the, over the course of the eight years I was there. Right. You know, so, uh, so yeah, it's definitely a different feeling just uh, having those guys come out and just hearing the crowd. And, you know, it would kind of be like, uh, you know, being out there when The Rock came out. Now, I, I was never lucky. You know, I mean, I wrestled uh, um, with The Rock when I first started there. He was there. Right, uh, you know, right. I wrestled on cards with him, but I never actually got in the ring with him. Um, so I was never felt that 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 moment, which must be great when you're out there and his music hits. So what? what if know? there was one wrestler that you never wrestled that you could have, past or present, who would it be? I mean, if you just want to go with top name, just to be in the ring with. I mean, past or present. I mean, I was lucky enough to wrestle all the guys that grew up through the years. I wrestled uh, against uh, Jimmy Snooker, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, all those 80s guys, I was lucky enough to wrestle. All the guys that I grew up watching, Rowdy Rowdy Piper I did stuff with. Um, I mean, so many more of those guys. There's none of those guys from the 80s that I probably didn't. I did, uh, 
you know, Ricky Steamboat I never wrestled in a match against, but I was able to work out with him a lot because he was a tra- he was a trainer when I was there. Okay. You know, and I, I bring him, but never worked out in front of people with him. Um, but I, yeah, I would say just because of who The Rock is, I wouldn't mind getting in the ring with him and feeling that. And is that match going to probably go long? No. But, you know, Hurricane had some real good matches with him, and Hurricane was getting a nice little push when he was working with him. And The, and the Rock, you know, depending on the office, and I know I know The Rock will do the right thing. It also depends on the office how much. Uh, like when I wrestled Batista, I don't know if you ever saw that match. Yeah. I was the Cruiserweight champion. Yes. You know, did it go well? No, but I think it was an entertaining seven, eight minutes, and we let it go seven, eight minutes, well, but we, we made it work. You know, I mean, there's only so much you could do realistically that what I'm going to do to Batista. But I was able to work with him, so I let it. There's not that many guys out there I didn't work with. I worked with Kurt Angle. I worked with APA. I worked with Taker. I worked with Batista. I worked with Brock Lesnar. I worked with Chris Benoit. I worked with Eddie Guerrero. And these are numerous times. So what guys are there, you know, what guys are there left, you know, um, you know, I would say The Rock. I would say Jeff Jarrett. I worked the Honky Tonk Man. You know, so that's a hard one. That's something I would have to think about. And you can never say never because The Rock still may come back. And you never know. You could be there ready for him. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, think I'm so. I, do, I got a good job and everything. I run a security company. I work on a court. I do well. I like doing these matches like we're doing. Uh, this The one coming up, let's talk about that. That's why we're on the air. That's right. Um, but So that we're doing um, Northern uh, Tier Wrestling. It's going to be uh, this Saturday. Two shows. I'm on the first show, 2 o'clock. Uh, I'm wrestling on Diamond City War Machines. So that should be good. And hopefully the people come out. I mean, I know this is a benefit to help the community. So the money is going towards a, a good thing. And if you live in that community and you want to back your community up, hopefully uh, hopefully we get a real good turnout for that. That's right. It's Northern Tier Wrestling this Saturday for the Til- at the Tilbury Community Center, 11 Poplar Street, West Nanticoke. Two shows plus a meet and greet. Nunzio, thank you so much for swinging by and giving us some time today. No, guys. I enjoyed it. Have a good one, guys. You too. Hopefully I see you Saturday. See ya. Thank you, guys.